Welcome to episode 119 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the PK Family Victory Parade edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host Joshua Fine. What's going on, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, Phil. You know, we had a really interesting week of racing there, and you know, we had Daniel Suarez finally win his first career win, just like you said there. Um, yep. Delayed, yeah, with both the Trackhouse cars winning in 2022. Yeah, Julia Piquet, girlfriend of Nelson, or, well, yeah, son of, or daughter of Nelson Piquet, and, uh, yeah, girlfriend of Daniel Suarez, so she gets to celebrate, too, and all that stuff, which is awesome and everything. But, yeah, one of the more unique celebrations uh, that we've seen in, in the Na- NASCAR Cup Series uh, in recent memory, and definitely one of the more... Uh, you know, refreshing stories to see with Trackhouse winning and Daniel Suarez uh, having some success after you know, a lot of bouncing around in the series. But, you know, we'll get into all the other stuff here. But, yeah, glad to be on and talk about it this week. Yeah, I reference the fact, as you mentioned, with um, uh, Julia P.K. being uh, Daniel Suarez's uh, significant other and then um, Max Verstappen's significant other is also a P.K. Um, used to fuck uh, Danny Kvyat. And then uh, cheated on him with Max. So um, really quality there. Uh, You know, it kind of fits the whole narrative there. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole um, because I'm (laughs) discussing or back friends with somebody who has a wife who's a whore. Um, So in spite of that, uh, (laughs) we had those two guys win. Uh, The Formula One race was pretty much uh, straightforward after Ferrari suffered major issues for both of their drivers. Um, uh, also, Checo got passed relatively easily by Verstappen and went from there. So we'll get into that later. Of course, the NASCAR Cup race at Snoroma uh, was a great moment for Daniel Suarez. Trackhouse racing, getting themselves locked in with both their cars. Twelve cars are now locked into the playoff as of now. Um Suarez is actually the lowest placed driver in points that has a win, but his finishes aren't un- until yesterday. A lot of his finishes are not indicative of how good he has run this year. So big deal for Justin Marks and that whole entire organization to be able to get both their cars in the playoff in their second year as a team. Uh, we'll get in all of the big storylines that came from that. They're going into an off week this week for Father's Day. It used to always be Michigan International Speedway. They'd go for Father's Day. They got rid of that uh, for whatever reason. Um, they'll be off Cup Series. But the Truck Series, who ran at uh, Sonoma, uh, Kyle Busch won his last start of the year. 60-second win in that series. Gets um, the win on the last race there. Uh, for him this year and then um, they'll be racing in Knoxville this coming uh, Saturday night so we'll go over Sonoma preview that SRX is actually coming back I just remembered that I'm gonna have to talk about that this week Uh, it'll be the first of six races in the SRX but um, and we'll get into the 24 hours of Le Mans Formula 2 at Baku World Superbikes at Mizano MotoGP Moto2 at Soxenring and then supercars at Darwin might actually get a little bit of golf talk and hockey talk because the Colorado Avalanche are in the Stanley Cup Finals and finally have an opponent. They'll be starting this Wednesday in the Stanley Cup Finals, trying to get their first uh, title in 21 years, um, going against a two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, trying for them, they're trying to get a three-peat. 
which would be the first one since the Islanders back in the 80s, um, or Edmonton, or I think it was the Islanders. Um, Edmonton had two in a row, and then they'd be, like, stopped or whatever. Um, getting all that, but first, let's talk about IndyCar at Road America this past weekend. Great weekend of racing, one of the greatest racetracks that we have in this in the United States, um, one of the most challenging tracks. And Joseph Newgarden came through, had a solid qualifying uh, run, started on the outside pole, and battled Alexander Rossi in the first segment, who qualified on pole, who's continues his momentum. But in the end, Josh, Joseph Newgarden is trying to get that third championship. He won a million dollars for uh, a, a split of a million dollars for his team and for two charities that he has. Um, but he is on a roll this year. Three wins, three different types of tracks. Uh, had a little blip at Indianapolis, but... Honestly, Joseph Newgarden, he isn't the points leader, but he is a favorite to win a third IndyCar championship. And at his age of 30, 30, 31, whatever, um, trying to basically become the new Dixon in this series while, you know, you have so many other great talents in the series. But Joseph Newgarden goes out there, gets the W, and um, points are... Yeah, the points we will look at here in a moment, but um, he's worried about consistency, but he's up there. He's 32 points behind as they um, take a couple weeks off before they'll go to mid-Ohio for July the 4th, uh, just prior to July the 4th. And New Garden was the winner yesterday in the race, a second win at Road America, uh, beat Marcus Erickson by 3.37 seconds. So Marcus Erickson, the points leader, Indy 500 winner, gets a podium after getting into contact with his teammate Alex Palou, uh very early in the race. Alexander Rossi rounds out the podium. Three Andretti Autosport cars finish 3-4-5. Rossi, Grosjean, Herta. Um, the Arrow McLaren team with uh, Felix Rosenquist finished sixth. Uh, in the end, uh, Pato Award had issues, um, had mechanical issues, and fell out, even though he was running really well prior to that. Um, unfortunate for him, big loss in points for him. Alex Pillow, as I mentioned, had issues too and finished dead last. So a bunch of lost points for two of the top guys in the point standings. Will Power um, got into it with Devlin Francesco. Uh, used his car um, and bumped him after the race, but actually handled things well afterwards. Um, Didn't go and lose his mind on the moron. Um, So that was something new, new willpower. I guess it's like the new Kurt Busch. Uh, It's a new willpower. They're making those comparisons, Um, social media. Uh, But yeah, a lot of the points guys had, some of the points guys had issues. Power came in with a points lead, lost it to Erickson again but as i said josh it's really about joseph newgarden um i have a hard time seeing how as we get towards the second half of the season who's going to stop him when you consider some of the racetracks they're going to his history at those tracks um and his performance so far this year has been pretty exceptional yeah his can he's not happy with consistency but the guy's damn good yeah, I mean, Joseph Newgarden's pretty good, and so far, you know, the most 
I mean, outside of the Indianapolis 500, the most successful driver so far this season in IndyCar. And right now he doesn't have the points lead, but with, you know, the way the season's going, you're winning almost half the races where eight races in, he's won three, uh, looking like he could be a favorite for the title. Uh, so we'll see how this plays out. You know, right now, Marcus Erickson's still the points leader. Of course, Marcus Erickson finishing in second. So um, still, you know, it's going to be a, a tough battle down the stretch. But, you know, Newgarden is pretty dominant uh, so far. I mean, it was between him and Alexander Rossi, who's also looking good so far this year. But, you know, Newgarden's um, looking like, you know, he's getting into his prime, I think, of his career. If he's not already right, and like you said, yeah, he could end up being coming like the the new Scott Dixon of the series, or you know, we talked about him before being like kind of like Rick Mears or something like that um, for Team Penske, kind of that uh, I guess iteration of Rick Mears. So you know, that's going to be an interesting development as we go throughout uh, the season. Is um, you know how how close can he get to battling for this championship? So you know, it's um going to be a, a tough battle throughout the rest of the season but you know new garden's looking like he's going to be the uh one of the favorites if if not the guy to beat and yeah it's going to be tough but marcus erickson like i said finished second and rossi was in third and i think rossi you know he now that he's um kind of finalized next year he could he could be like uh i guess a sleeper threat for the title as well because last couple of races he's finished well you know going back to the indy 500 he finished uh fifth at that race and then second last uh, race at Detroit and now third at um, Road America. So even though Rossi hasn't won in uh, three years uh, since 2019 at Road America, um, it's looking likely that he probably will win at some point this season, um, possibly for the final time uh, for Andretti Autosport before he moves on to McLaren. But certainly, uh, you know, he could be a sleeper threat later for uh, the title this year. So you'll have to see how it all plays out. Yeah, and with with Rossi kind of free rolling now with his new contract um, at uh, McLaren starting next year, he's seems to be in a much better place. And Andretti Autosport, I think for the first time in a long time, looked like a strong team. Everyone talks about those big teams. They talk about the big three. They talk about Penske and Ganassi and Andretti. Well, Andretti hasn't really been there to that level. Maybe one driver has, but not the whole entire team. At Road America, they three of their guys were there. One of them was getting an argy-bargy because he sucks, but the other three were there. Uh, so that's a great performance for them. There's been a lot of bad, uh, negative juju going on for Andretti, at least on the IndyCar side. Um, there's a lot of ch- moving parts going on with Andretti trying to get into Formula One. Uh they are changing over their Australian V8 supercar team is changing over to Ford. You know, the, the, the extreme E team is out there doing all right. They're coming back here soon. Um, the, then you have formula E as well, um, where they're kind of just out there as a privateer at the moment. So, um, so, I mean, that's, it's a big deal. I think for them, I mean, I, the, one of the issues that came up yesterday was, the cautions, the amount of cautions relative and how long it took them to get back under green. Jimmy Johnson spun trying to avoid Calderon uh, going into turn three, saved it, but then it took them a lap to get the car restarted, which was kind of inexplicable to me. Usually they're better um, equipped to take care of that, but 
no offense to the safety team. They do a great job. They're the best safety team in motorsports, honestly. Uh, but it just took a long time for them to restart Jimmy Johnson. They had other cautions after that. Of course, the Polo caution with Erickson. Then they had like three cautions basically on top of each or one on top of the other. And then they had a race for a long time. Then Elio Castroneves spun out late in the race and then there was a few cautions late in the race. Um it, it 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 seemed like there was the stop start to begin and then it became uh, a, a race. And at Road America, you really need it to open up and be more uh, organic, uh, which is something we'll talk about here and shortly when you're talking about the strategies that took place. You had Felix Rosenquist and Graham Rahal amongst certain other drivers who had a full fuel save strategy that in the end, unfortunately didn't come through for them, but it netted them a big gain uh, position wise, at least for Rosenquist finished sixth, um, you know, Ray Hall started or finished eighth in yeah, the case. 22nd uh, to eighth. Yeah. 22nd to eighth for Ray Hall at one of his favorite racetracks at a track that his, his family has had plenty of history at um, for, for, Rosenquist, he was eighth, so it wasn't as big of a gamble for him. And but you know, in the end, it didn't really work out as well. Uh, it was also a big day for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan. Uh, they had two cars in the top ten. Lungard was up there, and he was a fast, fastest rookie for a lot of the weekend. Uh, you know, Malukas had his moments. Callum Eilat continues to show the speed that had him on the cusp of Formula One and may have him likely moving to um, ECR if certain rumors are going through with Renus VK since he seems to be the um, driver of the day now who everyone wants, whether that uh, move is either Ganassi or um, a McLaren. Uh, which are the two teams that seem to be the most likely suitors for Arenas VK. Um, Callum Eilat has shown a ton of speed in a one-car team, and he has a lot of potential. Uh, it's just where is he going to go next, um, and what is you know, the the Junkos team going to do after that, uh, which is something to find out. I mean, even Jack Harvey finished 13th, and he's been generally irrelevant the whole entire season. Uh, they had, they had freaking, uh, what's his name? I mean, even root beer floathead they had in that car last year, uh, and he did better. They had, uh, what's I'm forgetting his name, Oliver Askew. They had Oliver Askew and he did better. The only reason Jack Harvey is in that car is because he's BFFs with Graham Rahal. That's literally what it is. And that, uh, that, uh, what do you call Jack Harvey's girlfriend, is BFFs with Courtney Force. That's literally the only reason why he's in that car. Uh, and they have Hy-Vee sponsoring it. Because nothing that Jack Harvey has done in this car makes me think that he should be in an Indy car um, this, any, for a long period, like after this year. He's not Devlin DeFantresco bad, but at the end of the day, it's like Elio Castroneves sucks on road courses. We get it. That's his thing. He's like Tony Kanaan. He can only run on ovals. Okay, fine. We get it. Um, if Meyer Schenk was smart, they would be like, okay, Elio, we'll put you in the sports car because he can run on road courses in a sports car, but not in an Indy car, and we'll call you for Indy. 
because that's all that really matters to Elio Castroneves anyway. So I have him because he's going to be doing the SRX this week too. So, you know, well, I think he is. I have to go and check that. I, I might have to go and correct that, but whatever. I know Antoine Canan is in between doing his Brazilian stock car crap. Um, but, uh, you know, he sucks. Pagano's okay, but they're not where they really need to be. But I think Andretti Autosports progression will see the Meyer Shank team start taking some uh, moves forward as well. Uh, more on the 60 car side where when you have Simon Pagano, who has shown he's a champion driver, Indy 500 winner versus Jack Harvey, I think their results, I think it's slightly in the favor of um, Simon Pagano, and he's definitely outperformed Elio uh, for the majority of the season. And they've already been teammates before. So, I mean, at least for Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, they had a good run going to mid-Ohio, which is definitely home for them for Graham and for Bob and for family. They want to have a good run there for sure. It's a racetrack where Graham has won at um, a few years ago. So I think that was one takeaway. Uh, Josh, I'll ask you, I mean, one thing uh, also came up, of course, Simona Di Silvestro returns to IndyCar. She's a Porsche factory driver, but she returned with Peretta Autosport. They're connected to Ed Carpenter Racing. Um, First race, back in an Indy car in many years on a road course, uh, didn't embarrass herself, did a great job. Her team was solid. Um, I mean, to be completely fair, she was in the mix with her teammates at, by in, during the race, really. I mean, I guess when you don't have any time, when you have no testing and you're being thrown in, thrown to the wolves, it's pretty brutal. But Simona Di Silvestro has always proven to be someone that can get over those challenges. And yet again, she was able to do so. And with the support, of course, Ed Carpenter Racing, um, Connor Daly had a quiet run and did his thing. Uh, Renas VK struggled this weekend, which is surprising. But, you know, Simona Di Silvestro had a solid run. She'll have a couple more races this year with the hope of them progressing to a full-time season next year. Um with Ed Carpenter's support, I would assume. But what were some of the other takeaways you had uh, from uh, this weekend's race as they go towards a couple-week break? Well, I mean, I think, you know, you talked about uh, earlier with Will Power and um, uh, Devlin Francesco getting into it early on in the race, and that's significant because, uh, you know, for Will Power, he's a championship contender, um, certainly, and you know, he's... Ha- lately, I mean, Indianapolis 500 didn't have a great finish there, but... Um, you know this one one at uh, Belle Isle la, you know last week at Detroit and then comes out here and finishes 19th after you know getting into it with Devlin Fr- uh, Francesco I mean that's pretty um, significant because you know going into the Indy 500 uh, he had taken the points lead uh, by basically kind of a boomer bust whether it's your fault or not you know that's um something that you have to look out for as who can uh, contend in this championship so I mean that's I guess you know one of my takeaways from that uh you know possible championship contender um having a bad race and you know later on we're gonna have to see um if we see an angry willpower of course I mean he's we saw he was disappointed and everything not like really like raging angry like in the past like double birds back in 2011 but you know that's um certainly we're gonna see it on the track in an angry willpower but um I think you know the uh other guys that maybe impressed me um talk about somebody like uh Christian Lungard finishing 10th, um, had a solid weekend. 
for Rahal Leiterman Leiterman, uh, you know, with um, the 30 card, and I think that's a solid you know, position for, especially for a rookie, a tough track, like, uh, road America. So, um, that was impressive as well. Um, Scott McLaughlin, you know, solid seventh place finish, um, for him, uh, think, um, you know, the last couple of races, uh, he's been kind of quiet or been kind of out of it. Had and, issues, yeah, had issues right. since the first couple of races. Yeah. So it's a great point. Basically. Yeah. Basically since, um, Texas, you know, he's been kind of quiet and kind of had fallen off. So, seventh place finish there that's um you know a little not not great but you know solid finish and nothing to um complain about for sure so yeah i think that was impressive as well um you know i think you mentioned earlier the cautions uh like the length of time and i think you know it's important especially for a track like road america a four mile track uh in length and being being that long it's you know significant because you you can't have more than two laps and I mean, to be fair, the caution periods were no longer than uh, two lap caution periods, which which is uh, favorable. But for sure, um, I think you know when you consider track like Road America, you want to be able to clean everything up very uh, you know fairly quickly. And I, I mean, I think they were able to do it you know relatively quickly. But I think with um, with that, you know, you talked about the beginning of the race, the stop and start, stop and start. And I mean, I think I was caused by some of the drivers but you know for sure definitely a, a track that you can't really have lengthy cautions at and granted the the last caution happened off of a restart so at least um they were able to restart the race quickly and um get everybody uh back going and you know, at least we get to see a exciting finish um and see the drivers you know fight it out for the win and thought maybe rossi would have had something for new garden there towards the end of the race but then kind of fell off of that you know, restart and Erickson was able to take uh, take the position away from him and uh, everything. So, you know, we see uh, Newgarden was able to pull out the win. So at, at least we do get to see an exciting finish and, you know, frantic restart and everything, you know, with Herta, Grosjean, and um, I think, yeah, Rosenquist all kind of fighting it out there in, you know, the mid-pack, uh, you know, after, after third place. So it was a lot of frantic racing towards the end for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I, I get what you're saying in regards to the cautions and all that. I I think IndyCar generally have an issue with how they um, handle some of their cautions. Um, none of them are more than two laps, but it is more obvious when there's multiple things. The way they present the race, they have a lot of commercials. But then on top of it, you add the fact that a caution lap, when you're talking about a say a minute 40 something lap minute 45 lap essentially becomes around four minutes so you're talking about real time nascar when nascar goes there in a few weeks is going to be god awful um but it's always been god awful with nascar because they don't know what a local yellow is um and they also even with the safety team they can't retrieve cars in a quick fashion they also have the stupid stages which you're about to get into um to me, I guess it seemed long. I don't know. I it, it they they had three cautions in the first ten laps. Uh, then there was two cautions, or there was the issue with Pato Award, and then um, and what Alio, who was able to get his, they were able to get his car restarted quick enough, which tells you if they were the reality is if you have the car right there in a place. And you have the people like in a decent spot along with the, the safety team. They were able to restart him. He was able to wave around and get all the way to the back. 
um, and it was only one lap. So in IndyCar parlance, those cautions, other than the Jimmy caution, should have been one lap. It could have maybe changed the way the race ended up, but neither here nor there. Three weeks until their next race, they'll be at Mid-Ohio, and we'll definitely get into that at that point. Uh, one of the um, uh, circuits that always has IndyCar and is a benchmark place. If you can win there, you're really earning it. It's tough. It's a tough circuit to to get good laps on. It's also a tough circuit to win at. Um, it's another Scott Dixon. I mean, is there a place other? Is there a place that Scott Dixon really can't win other than like St. Pete? Um, I mean, it's kind of there. That's it's it's redundant at this point. I mean, St. Pete's really the only place he hasn't won at. Um, but otherwise, he can win everywhere. Um, Mid Ohio. If Scott Dixon has anything, I think we'll figure it out this in the next few weeks at Mid Ohio when he goes there. If he can win there to try and start his climb up, which he's done many times before. All right, so we'll change it up here. We'll go to NASCAR and uh, Daniel Suarez. I mean, I got pretty emotional. The taco pinata was pretty cool. Got to give Trackhouse credit there. Um, Victory celebrations are better than a lot of teams, honestly, uh, to be be fair. I mean, they have original celebrations uh, with both – Daniel Sar isn't as I mean Ross Chastain celebration has been going on uh, for the last few years, but Suarez had a great car. It's essentially what might happen at Coda. Uh, he had won the first stage, and then stuff happened to him. Ross Chastain was able to benefit, hit a couple people, whatever. It's the end of the race. He was trying to win his first career Cup race. People want to be mad about that, and it's like. I mean, that's fine. You can say that Ross Chastain's over-aggressive. He's like Ernie Irvin, whatever. But with Daniel Suarez, everyone was happy. A lot, I mean, unless you're a maggot moron or you're some inbred dipshit, um, there was a lot of happy people. Guys been in this sport in the Cup Series since 2017, driven nearly 200 starts to get that first career Cup win, 195 to be exact, and was on the edge of being out of the sport altogether driving for also-ran teams, driving in the back, essentially start-and-park-type efforts. But he held on and connected with with Justin Marks, uh, Armando, the whole group there, Trackhouse, Ty Norris, and then Tra- him and Travis Mack have a great relationship, and they've built this great rapport. And there was times last year where Suarez, you saw that talent that had moved him up the ladder, uh, through the D D D for D and getting that Xfinity championship. But now he has a team that's behind him. And the way that things have been going this year, Suarez, I think was due uh, to get a win. I, and he finally did it, man. I, I was trying to remember, I don't know who I picked last week in, in, in the, for the win. I have this, yeah, like, start writing them down. Yeah. I, I have this weird suspicion that I said, Suarez, but I, if not, whatever. Um, I have this weird thing that I felt like I said Suarez, but then I was inebriated too, so it doesn't really matter one way or the other. So I'll have to go and check. I'll check after we're done here later um, on the on the YouTube feed since Josh um, has set up the YouTube feed for the Grip Strip Podcast uh, videos and our our episodes appear there. 
So we'll check that. Make sure I probably didn't. I I, I have this feeling I said it, but I may it probably wasn't. But Daniel Suarez was dominant. Held off Chris Busher uh, and Michael McDowell, Kevin Harvick, Austin Sindrick. First top five for Austin Sindrick since he won the Daytona 500. Um, Harvick had a car that he wasn't going to win the race. Probably could finish second, but his pit crew fucked up on the last pit stop, and he wasn't happy. McDowell is the best finish he's had, I think, since he won the Daytona 500 last year. Um, ran over Brad Keselowski to do it. Um yeah, Blaney, Chastain, Chase Elliott, William Byron, Brad Keselowski. Um, that was the top 10. And it, it was pretty uh, straightforward. There weren't a whole lot that went on in this race, if you really get into it. Larson qualified on pole, won the first stage. And then by staying out, it kind of went sideways for him. Had to battle back the rest of the day. Um, Chase Elliott ended up leading... 26 laps, but he got no stage points in the process. Only finished eighth uh, for the guy that's trying to become the all-time road course king, Josh. But um, he'll have to wait for the Snoroma win until next year because um, Daniel Suarez went and took one down, took his first career win. Joins Juan Pablo Montoya, Earl Ross, Mario Andretti, and um, I th- and I think that's it as uh, international uh, winners, um, uh, people that uh, are of not of that are not American, uh, born in yeah. American drivers, non American drivers, drivers to win in the Cup Series. So that's a pretty big deal for Daniel Suarez for the battle he had to go through to get to this spot. Yeah, I mean it's pretty significant. You know, finally uh, winning a race in the Cup Series. Um, been waiting on it. You know, basically six years almost because he won the uh, first career race in of his career in in uh xfinity all the way back at 2016 then won the championship in the final race and then the winning never came after that we thought maybe uh there might be something but you know kind of got mired in the you know the uh joe gibbs racing um situation he was the the fourth joe gibbs racing car replacing carl edwards and never really got off the ground there and then bounced around went to stuart haas for like a year um punched michael mcdowell in the face i think during that time um you know then he had that deal at uh gaunt brothers racing where he didn't race the full schedule but he was able to kind of you know be consistent and run you know run around uh and you know make make finishes out, out of out of nothing and then that led to the track house opportunity and we saw a glimpse of uh, of it you know last year where he was um, running up front at points, you know, go back to Bristol dirt last year. And uh, that was kind of one of the first races where we saw Daniel Suarez come out and uh, win, you know, win races and, or not win, but, you know, uh, Daniel Suarez being able to uh, lead laps significantly. And that was the first race he was able to do that. And then we saw uh, where uh, Atlanta last year running top 10 and getting stage points and um, saw the growth of everything so i think you know i think with with all of that you know that we we saw glimpses of it but never could uh put it all together with track house but he's got a team that believes in him he's got a owner that believes in him so you know i think definitely um it was um long overdue and then this year there was times where we saw you know, we saw him uh lead laps we saw him lead laps at at charlotte and then got taken out in a crash not of his fault uh 
almost won Bristol Dirt when it was supposed to, you know, rain, uh, and they had that rain delay, and he was in the lead, and we thought maybe this might, you know, be his first career win, but then didn't happen. Uh, and there was a lot of drivers that day that could have won uh, their first career race, but um, he was one of them. And then also, you know, the crash like at at Charlotte, um, crash at Las Vegas, you know, other other things. Remember, uh. Coda, where he was up front there at the beginning of that race, and then had that spin out, and then never quite recovered uh, from that after you know the flat tire uh, at 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 Coda. So a lot of uh, opportunities there that they missed, but now they finally capitalized and and scored the victory um, in in Sonoma. So uh, dominating win for sure. You know, leading forty seven laps uh, in this race, and then you know, basically having to battle it out in the the final stage with. Uh, Chris Buescher, which is uh, surprising uh, there. So, you know, I think um, for Chris Buescher, it's definitely a, a disappointing, uh, and he hasn't won in a long time either. But, you know, Daniel Suarez able to uh, finally uh, get his victory. And um, the celebration we talked about at the top of the show is very, uh, very uh, unique, you know, with the, the pinata and, uh, you know, with the candy inside. Hopefully the candy wasn't stale. You actually eat it because, I mean, I think if you stuff a pinata, like that and you have to wait a long time for a win you know candy might be stale but at least you know with him it's um you know uh able to actually eat it unlike his other teammate when you smash a watermelon can't really there's not really a whole lot of watermelon left they can actually eat uh afterwards so um a lot of it doesn't matter he smashes it and then goes and eats it while regan goes and interviews him well that's true but um you know, most of it's gone. You can only eat like the bits that you know haven't been mushed to pieces or whatever. So with the watermelon, but at least with candy, you can unwrap it and whatever and eat it. So that's uh, pretty unique there, and definitely want to see that again if uh, they're able to do it. But um, glad to see it happen. And of course, in the Daniel Daniel's Amigos fan club that he has, they're finally able to celebrate a win. And we've seen seen how you know. Uh, passionate they are and they finally get to be able to celebrate a victory something good for their drivers so you know, a lot of positive feelings for uh team track house certainly the surprise i think of uh maybe the surprise of motorsports but certainly surprise of uh nascar this year how well this team's performed and uh justin marks won the bernsey award from fox sports so for as bad as their coverage is they did the right thing and uh, gave the Burnsy Award uh, to a guy who has done a great job to bring a team to this sport, brand new. I mean, albeit he was able to offer, uh, get an offer, give an offer that Chip Ganassi couldn't refuse, and he gets a, a ready-made team after running his own out- outfit for a year um, to now be in a position where his two cars are now in the playoff. And one of them is a likely um, contender for uh, the championship. It's I don't think you see that very often. It hasn't happened very often in motorsports where a brand new, relatively new team comes through and is able to do the kind of work the track house has been able to do this year. Uh, the new car, the new car provided great action. I mean, Tony the the combination of Mike Joy, Tony Stewart, and Larry McReynolds was outstanding. It kind of had it harkened back to their original team uh, with Durwood in there. You know, they had a lot of jokes. They're joking around, busting on each other. 
It would, and but they talked about the racing. The racing, they didn't present it well enough for us to know. But there was a lot of track. There was a lot of passing. There was a lot of action at a track that isn't exactly known for great action. I think if the race was actually run organically instead of with the stupid stages, that race could have been even better. Um, I, I figure Suarez would have won anyway. Um, Hendrick cars and the Gibbs cars were trying to do different things. The Gibbs cars were completely out to lunch, which is surprising uh, relative to their previous success on road courses in the Gen 6 car. Hendrick cars were all over the map, but it it proves a point where uh, when you're a smaller team, you can compete if you put it together the right way. It's why Eric Jones has a chance to make the playoff with the Petty GMS team. It's why there are teams that are not exactly doing great um, that might have a chance, like Bubble Walls, who blew up 10 laps into the race, which is ridiculous. I mean, it's like he's he's the wily coyote of NASCAR and that everything that can go wrong happens to him um, to the um, to the glee of the morons that got arrested in Idaho. But, you know, it's like it's not because of him in a lot of these cases that this stuff happens. Yeah, you can get into racecraft at Daytona and Atlanta, but most of the time it's usually either a mechanical problem or a team problem uh, because 2311, at least on the 23 side, can't get shit together right. It's more Kurt Busch is carrying his end of the bargain because he's Kurt Busch. When you've been in the sport 20-something years, if you don't know what the fuck you're doing, you wouldn't have a job after 20-something years if you didn't know what the hell you're doing. So it's almost a case of um, utilizing his experience and utilizing the people he has that, you know, they all kind of are in sync to make something happen. So I have to do a lot of work during this off weekend uh, with Bubba Wallace's team uh, because they're, they're running out of opportunities. They're really going to make the playoff here. Um, last year, of course, they won a Talladega, which was in the playoff. So, um, I mean, we'll get into the uh, point standings here. I mean, yeah, I went over to top 10. Uh, there are other guys. Logano won stage two, finished second in stage one, but only finished 17th. Larson won stage one. Almirola got good stage points, only finished 14th. Um, Harrison Burton actually scored stage points in both stages, but finished 28th. Um there's some weird people that actually scored stage points. Uh, Cody Ware actually got stage points in uh, the first stage, so it tells you all you need to know. Kyle Busch, uh, part of the whole Gibbs deal, not being able to make anything happen, um, finished 30th. Yeah, Todd Gillen scored stage points too. Yeah, he scored stage points, finished 24th in front of Orchard, who um, scored stage points in both stages. Um but yeah, so there you go. Six lead changes among six drivers. Uh, Suarez basically led all but two laps of the last, I don't know, 50 uh, at, at the end of the race. So Keselowski was out there for a little bit, but led the most laps in the race. Great job by him. Great job by Trackhouse to get that um, win, first career win. So as of now... Suarez moved up to 17th in points, so actually I'm incorrect. Uh, Denny Hamlin is outside of the top 20 in points. He's 21st. Kurt Busch is 19th in points, so actually Daniel Suarez is ahead of three guys who um, uh, have won races. Moved himself up to 17th, but he's locked into the playoff as it stands right now. 
Chase Elliott has a 16-point lead on Ross Chastain and the overall points for the 15 playoff point bonus uh, after Daytona. Kyle Busch is seven points behind Chastain and 23 overall. Blaney's 25 back in fourth and Logano's 30 back in fifth. Truex, who for all intents and purposes is basically saying he's going to retire, be forced to retire, um, is sixth. He's in a little battle uh, with uh, Larson and Byron. There's only about 15 points between those three. Bowman is just outside that. He's about 20. He's 21 points back. Uh, there so there's a little battle amongst those guys um christopher bell is 10th in points overall uh, 92 back of the leader so there's when it comes to the uh guys that are in the playoff right now um eric almirola is actually the last driver that's in christopher bell is 15th eric almirola 16 seven points ahead of his teammate kevin harvick and then now you have um, the two RCR cars that are kind of on the cusp. And then otherwise, it's kind of not there um, because uh, Austin Dillon's 15th in points and Reddick's 14th in points. So there you go. Um, I mean, points-wise, they have an off week here this coming week. But, you know, now we're, we're starting getting a nitty-gritty of it. A lot more road courses coming up. So those are theoretically opportunity races, but it could also start going the way of the status quo teams if the R&D they've done so far at Coda and at Sonoma leads to some changes or leads to some things. It's the way that um, RFK, they had a test, tire test at Watkins Glen, and it seemingly switched on their cars to where both Busher and Keselowski were really fast. Busher had that chance. So you know he's chomping at the bit to get to another road course, which they'll have Road America coming up here in a few weeks' time. They're going to have Indianapolis coming up in a few weeks' time, and then Watkins Glen, all um, in relatively short succession. So And Pocono, which where he won at um, his one cup race, which would definitely flip the lid in regards to the playoff uh, if, say, a Chris Buescher or even Brad Keselowski goes and wins because Brad Keselowski lost a hundred points um, and lost, I think, I don't know, 10 playoff points or 20, I don't know, whatever it is. He's lost, uh, he's minus 10 playoff points right now in 30th. Um, so he's only ahead of two guys in points at the moment. He's behind Todd Gillen and Harrison Burton with the, the hundred points. He'd be ahead of Denny Hamlin actually. <laughs> Tells you how bad Denny Hamlin's season has been outside of him getting his win. So there is that. Um, we'll get into the trucks, Josh. Uh, not nothing uh, crazy spectacular uh, that went on there at uh, at uh, Sonoma and the DoorDash 250. Uh, really, it was Kyle Busch. He led 45 laps. Um, he led a good amount of the back end of the race. Ben Rhodes led for a couple of laps here and there, but basically from lap 26 till the end, Kyle Busch led. Um, Zane Smith finished second, so solidifying himself in his points position. Z- Ty Majeski gets a stage win on a road course, started in the top five, though. Ross Chastain started second, finished fourth. Chandler Smith finished fifth. Carson Hosovar started the race, but Daniel Suarez jumped in the truck, they lost 
a lap or two laps or whatever the heck it was. It was one of the most laissez-faire driver changes I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys doing? There's like no intensity, no urgency whatsoever. But I guess they know it's a truck series. They're like, oh, fuck it. And Suarez drove the thing back all the way to sixth. Uh, Kligerman, seventh. Hunter, John Hunter, eighth. Ankrum, ninth. Had a pit penalty or else he might have been a contender to win. D Burrito, 10th. Ben Rhodes won the second stage, but uh, finished 18th. And there's other people there. Haley Deegan um, actually got stage points, but got wrecked. And there's other people that were there. But yeah, Kyle Busch goes and gets the dub. And Zane Smith uh, solidifies his spot as one of the big-time contenders to win this Truck Series championship, Josh. Uh, and then... I mean, you kind of get into some of the other stuff. I want to go and make sure because now we're going into we're going to talk about we're going to preview it more in in a few in a little bit in regards to um, the race at Knoxville, which was a cluster last year. But um, the point standings are really close. Ben Rhodes has a five point lead on Chandler Smith. Zane Smith is 12 points back in third. John Hunter Nemechek is 14 points back in fourth. So those are the four main guys. They've won uh, six races so far. Majeski is fifth, uh, but he hasn't won a race yet. Um, he's ahead of two by two points over Friesen, who got destroyed in one of the wrecks uh, during the day. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, once you get into the uh, – once you really get into it, this uh, – this playoff or these the the championship is going to be amongst we've said it, it's going to be amongst those four guys maybe you can look at Majeski or Friesen might do something Josevar has been up there but Josevar is a broken leg so how I mean they after this race at at Knoxville he might have some time to rest and rehab to where he might be okay I mean what is it dumbass Moffitt went and fell off a freaking dirt bike broke his leg during pandemic and was able to come back and contend for a truck championship, and then he choked it at Phoenix um, like he chokes on mass. So, yeah, Kyle Busch wins at Sonoma in his last race for 2022 in a truck. Uh, pretty straightforward for him, um, and might be a preview of who his sponsor is going to be next year on the cup car, too. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, Yahoo with uh, the sponsorship there. Yahoo! <laughs> He's also sponsoring, or they're sponsoring, um, uh, Chris Bush or Chris Spell this year too. So, going to be a lot of movement in uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, and they may have a package or something where they sponsor two cars or something like that. So we'll have to see. But yeah, he wins uh, in his final start in the year. Um, get certainly the win didn't help uh, for Sunday since they finished in thirtieth. But um, certainly. Uh, you know, the experience, I guess, helps in everything. And uh, you mentioned Daniel Sawyer as well. Um, there is the practice, the extra practice right there. Maybe that's why he won on Sunday. They, uh, you know, went and took it back from the back uh, after the driver change all the way back up to six. So maybe that was the difference there. But, uh, you know, it was an interesting uh, race, I guess, with, um, you know, Kyle Busch winning and um, everything. And I, th I think, you know, uh, the surprising aspect is, I guess, how many drivers here, uh, especially a track that they've basically never been to in the truck series, how many you know, drivers came out here and finished relatively well, like guys like 
Ty McJeski is not really known for road racing. You know, he's mostly a short track guy, but he's also an iRacing guy. Maybe went out and did some iRacing on the sim and prepared for this race with that and showed the looks like they prepared well because they finished in uh, third place there. So good for him. Um, Parker Kligerman, um, not, I mean, he's not really a road racing guy, but I mean, he does finish solid at road races. So maybe that's not surprising. Um, Ty, you know, Tyler Ankrum, another guy finished in the top 10. Someone's not really known for road racing. Um, although Cosgrala finished 14th, uh, not really. I mean, he's known for road racing. He's known so, for road racing. Yeah. He's run well there in the trucks. Uh, not me, not as much in a road, in yeah. a Xfinity car. Yeah, but I mean, saying there is just, um, you know, would have expected better out of Cosgrala. But I mean, 14th isn't really, you know, too much to complain about uh, there. So, you know, it's different, different um, finish there for that team. Ben Rhodes won the uh, second stage, but then, you know, fell back to 18th at the end. So um, I guess, you know, the strategy didn't work for that team quite well. Um, and they give up, give up some points. Uh, towards the regular season championship, uh, which, you know, they, you know, really need, um, Brad Perez making a second start in the truck series finished, uh, in 22nd, uh, you know, not really regular in the series, but somebody that's trying to get a ride, uh, full time. So, you know, decent finish there got, you know, brought home the truck, uh, in one piece. So, um, that's what you need to do when you're a young driver, bring, you know, just be able to finish the car or finish the race and bring it all home in one piece without any issues. So uh, definitely a solid finish there for him. Uh, Alex Bowman got caught up in an accident. Um, We thought maybe he would be a contender for this race, you know, after, you know, starting uh, this race in in, uh, Coda and thought he would be able to come up uh, through the field like he did there, but uh, ends up getting an accident and finishing 29th. So, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys here that we, um, thought might be, uh, good, but then, or, you know, would be solid, but then ended up finishing pretty poorly. Uh, Matt Crafton, of course, um, you know, another veteran in the series, longtime veteran in the series that, um, you know, normally finishes, uh, fairly well, but, you know, out fairly early with transmission issues. Uh, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of issues there for guys that we thought might be able to. Um, you know, who normally would uh, compete for the the title like him and Christian Eckes. So, um, yeah, definitely a solid, solid race overall, I guess. But, you know, Kyle Busch uh, getting his win possibly with the new sponsor. We'll have to see uh, later on in the year once they uh, make that announcement. Yeah, that's basically what it is. I mean, there was usual nonsense that comes with truck series racing. It also happened in the K&N race because they had to delay it and they had to go and uh, they had issues with a bunch of wrecking, and they had, <laughs> it wasn't as bad as that Road America where Indy Pro 2000, some Instagram influencer flew over the curb, and then an Indy Lights guy did the same thing, and they took out the catch fence, and they had to restart the Indy Lights race after the Indy car race. But, excuse me, you know, that's exactly what I thought about the truck race and Kyle Busch winning. So, we'll go and move on. I mean, the truck series points battle is something we have to look at. Uh, this coming weekend going into uh, the race at Knoxville because, what was it, Austin Hill won the race last year after about 86 cautions. So if one of those guys can get another win there on the dirt, it'd be pretty big for them. Uh, We'll move to Formula One uh, here now where uh, 
Max Verstappen got his 25th career win to, I think that ties uh, Nelson PK. I'm not uh, sure. Formula One all time wins list. Yeah, so I, I have this feeling like that ties him and it also ties with, uh, uh, oh, I thought it was about to. So it was actually Nicky Lauda and Jim Clark. So that's a pretty big list. He was je- he was tied with Juan Manuel Fangio and a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, he was tied with Nelson Piquet and Nico Rosberg. So yeah, this year he's moved from, uh, he's, he's moved from uh, outside of the top. He's moved himself into the top 10 after, um, after being out well outside of it earlier, but uh, Max Verstappen, they used a little bit of, um, you know, team orders to move uh, Sergio Perez around. But to be honest, in the end, his pace was good enough where um, he was going to be able to make uh, something happen and uh, he was able to go and win. Uh, yet again, it's the fifth win of the season. So he is basically establishing himself as the guy that's going to win uh, a world championship. This one at least won't be with an asterisk. Uh, Checo Perez finishes second in this race. So solid on his part. Um, the the For Red Bull to get the one-two, they're basically putting themselves in a position where um, they're trying to go and look at the standings here. Um, the team standings, he's... Perez is 21 points back in the drivers, uh, but they and uh, behind Verstappen, and they're 80 points ahead of Ferrari in the constructors now after the double DNF for Ferrari, which is, um, you know, one was gearbox related for Carlos Sainz, one was an engine issue, a big blow up for Car- um, Charles Leclerc. And then when you consider. Um, what is it? 43 points before you talk like 44 points is basically the maximum you can get with the fastest lap bonus. So before, if it's not a, if it's not a sprint race weekend on a regular race weekend, 44 points is the maximum you can get, um, by finishing one, two and one of them getting the fastest lap. So right now Ferrari is on the cusp of possibly falling two full races behind uh, Red Bull here with their recent slide down. And because of that, I mean, if the constructors championship goes away that quickly, um, Red Bull is free rolling for the two drivers to do what they have to do. I mean, to be honest, they're not going to allow Sergio Perez to win the world championship, but I think Sergio Perez is brought his game to another level this year. We talked about it on the Grid Talk podcast. Um, the episode should be out there. Uh, we talked about it during the preview for the Canadian Grand Prix. Um, but yeah, Verstappen goes and wins. Ferrari has a nightmare. Mercedes benefits with George Russell getting yet another podium and getting another top five uh, to start his his career at, at Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton finishes fourth. Um, he's one of many people at issues with his back. Uh, people are accusing him of being overdramatic. Uh, the fact of the matter is the cars are too low or whatever the hell the issue is. He never had back problems before this freaking car. 
I don't think you joke around about it. I guess I'm a little more sensitive to it, not just because he's my driver, but because I have back issues. When you have bullshit happen to you or things that are done um, that'll affect your back, it's no joke. So while the FIA may not care because, you know, they don't really care about human rights anyway, you need to do things that would actually improve racing and make racing better. If you're going to have guys that are going to be basically falling out of their seat because they can't or get out, can't get out because they're fucked, their backs are fucked, fundamentally wrong. But hey, whatever. Since for Karen Horner and his team, they're like, oh, well, we got our team. We made our car good to where it won't affect us. So I don't really give a fuck. And it's like, you know what? Somebody just really needs to mow him down, you know, like I'm so sick and tired of that piece of shit um, and his garbage. You know, he's such a sword swallower, him and and uh, Matt and freaking one eyed uh, Marco and all of them. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, like Formula One, people want to complain about when Lewis was winning. Well, I don't have to complain about Max winning because I don't watch it and I'm honest. Because I don't really give a fuck. I don't want to see hear them slobbering all over him like he's some great driver. He ain't as great as everybody makes him out to be. And his dad's a prick. And so, you know, whatever. Um, he won. He's a, we we're going to talk about Canadian Grand Prix in a little bit. But he won yesterday. 25th win. Big number. It's a historic number. Uh, ties two of the greatest drivers of all time. Uh, in Clark and Lauda. And uh, his next uh, step is to get to Sir Jackie Stewart, the uh, three-time world champion there. So I think it's likely that he could, uh, at the rate he's going, it's very likely that he could tie and pass Fernando Alonso this year. And in terms of most wins in a season, um, that, that, that would be something that could really be in play. Uh, the 13 wins that Michael Schumacher had in 18 races, uh, I think, is on on deck here. Um, Vettel had 13 and 19 races in 2013. Um, Lewis, for as much as everyone talks about how much he dominated, he only won about 50% of the races. Vettel won nearly 70% in one of, in that year. Uh, Michael Schumacher won over 70% one year. But that's coming off of years where in his five in a row where he'd won uh, nine, not nine, nine, 11 and six. So 18 and 24, 35 wins prior to that 2004 season. Um, Breikinen and Alonzo actually tied in 05. I didn't even know that. But seven wins. Yeah. And then um, Alonzo and Schumacher tied for seven wins in 2004. Learn something new every day. Um, yeah, Verstappen won ten races last year, while uh, Lewis won, I think nine, and then um, and that was yeah, that was last year, and then um, there's oh, yeah three, four, five, seven, eight, yeah no eight, yeah three, seven, yeah he won eight races last year, Lewis, and finished second because of bullshit, but um. Yeah, you won seven, 103 wins and 103 pulls. And that's likely going to stay that way going into next year. But, um, yeah, give us your thoughts on the uh, great Azerbaijan Grand Prix and talking about great human rights races. Uh, Azerbaijan is one of those the best ones in regards to that. It's almost like the Live Golf Tour.
Yeah, yeah, a lot of interesting things here. But, I mean, I think the first takeaway is uh, Ferrari, uh, both of them engine failure. <clears throat> um, you know, I think they, one of them was yeah, Gearbox, one, actually. Gearbox, okay, yeah, Gearbox for signs. And then, of course, Leclerc, big engine failure in the final sector coming, you know, to... On you know off onto the main straight uh, for uh, Carlos or for Charles Leclerc. So yeah, it's um unfortunate Ferrari. Um, think for Carlos signs. Um, they you know had a good finish at Monaco and then come to this followed up uh, with the you know DNF and finishing last. Pretty disappointing. So and then of course second DNF uh, for uh, Charles Leclerc going back to uh, Spanish Grand Prix. So pretty bearish right now, I think, for Ferrari. I mean, yeah, they're looking red like the stock market is right now. So um, they might have to swing it around and and see some green here in the next couple of weeks if they have any chance of uh, making it uh, to the title uh, to compete against uh, Red Bull. But, you know, right now, uh, not looking good for Ferrari, and they're going to have to have a major turnaround here if they're going to want to have to um, go against Red Bull. But I think... um, it was a you know not really that much of a race of course uh you know with uh, especially with ferrari dropping out entirely and then basically red bulls left to um just finish the job and and uh, continue to go on especially with uh verstappen so he's already looking like a, a lock for the championship this year but you'll have to see i mean things could change later on in the year you know there's uh still a lot of time left uh to get back in it and for uh, Verstappen to have things happen to him, whether uh, mechanical or uh, uh, DNF or something like that. So definitely a, a lot of time left there. And then, you know, I think um, uh, you talked about with Lewis Hamilton's uh, back problems, and he wasn't the only driver that was complaining about it. I think Dan Ricardo was also uh, complaining about back issues um, because of the porpoising. And we've heard it from George Russell since the beginning of the season, the uh, porpoising of the uh, the car causing issues, um, causing pain uh, with him. So it's is an issue. And then uh, talk about the bouncing that goes up and down with the driver's head. Um, look at uh, the NFL um, impacts to the head causing concussions, and not even just large impacts, but small impacts as well. And so you know these micro impacts can cause you know, possibly micro concussions, I guess, um, if, if possible and, or something like that and could eventually lead, you know, to issues with the brain later on. So that's going to be something to think about. And, um, I think, you know, with this car, um, it seems like they didn't really find or figure it out until, you know, preseason testing with porpoising. And, um, that was really the only time that they had, uh, to develop it and, um, you know, it's been a struggle, of course, this year, uh, ever since they rolled the car out. Uh, so it's going to be a problem that they're going to have to go back and look at and see if they can fix uh, for the FIA and for uh, the teams to see if they can come up with a solution uh, compromise where you're not losing downforce, but you're also not having the car uh you know, bounce up and down and possibly cause a safety issue with uh, the driver or anything like that. Um, I think contrast that to the NASCAR next-gen car, which also came out this year, and the that car was in development for a long time. And we kind of, you know, it's not the most transparent process over there either, but at least we kind of knew about some of the issues beforehand, uh, you know, especially with um, the ability to withstand impact and the chassis maybe being too stiff. And that is still an issue here in the cup series, but, um, at least, uh, we now know that it's not as great as what it, uh, we thought it would be. And the formula one car, you know, when they had just announced it, you know, back in like what July or, uh, you know, yeah, July, right before Silverstone last year. And, 
the time between that announcement to you know preseason testing um not really a whole lot of uh time i mean of course they did have uh you know teams still developing the, the you know teams developing the car on their own and everything but um it seems like there wasn't a lot of on track you know development um compared to maybe something like the next gen car which at least had two or three maybe four years of development before you know they finally rolled out the final prototype whereas um f1 uh you know you maybe had around six or seven months it looks like before they were able to actually go out and test it on track for real for the first time so um a difference in lead time there you know maybe if they had a longer development time where they could actually go out and test this thing um maybe they could have discovered that issue earlier and then had time to resolve it before the season and not cause any controversy or anything like that so that's probably i think for me probably the biggest takeaway is just um how much it's impacting the drivers so far this year and especially with this track uh where a lot of high speeds, long straights, you know, especially we're going to experience, um, porpoising, uh, you know, change in, you know, speed, dramatic change in speed. Um, a lot of, you know, low speed corners coming from a high speed straight, um, that, you know, definitely caused an issue with porpoising. Um, so it's going to be, you know, later on in this year when we have more tracks where, you know, you're going to be on the throttle for a long time, like spa, um, Suzuka, uh, you know, other tracks like, you know, even like Silverstone. So, uh, there's definitely going to be um, a lot of issues with that um, coming you know, later on in the year. So it's going to be a storyline we're going to have to continue to uh, monitor here in Formula One. It's definitely an issue that has to be addressed if they don't want to have like injury issues. They'll say, well, you can just raise the car up for performance. I think there's enough drivers where if it gets that far with the way momentum is um, and the way that the series is run by Liberty Media... Something's going to have to happen, even if you have a Saudi jackass um, running Formula FIA, you're going to have to actually address it. Um, Ferrari does have porpoising issues, too, and they're actually have a fast car, but it's not reliable. Red Bull's porpoising issues aren't as bad as other teams, and Karen Horner and company don't really care about drivers, but in the end... It is an issue. It is a performance thing. I get it, but it's also a um, quality, a health issue, and it's something that has to be addressed. Um, maybe addressed more uh, once they get to Britain for the British Grand Prix here in a few weeks' time. Uh, they'll be running back to back there and at uh, Paul Ricard, um, which will be somewhat smoother circuits. Um, might be a little less uh, pronounced relative to some of the other circuits they've raced early in the season. But to be determined in regards to that. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans in the roundup. Start with that. Um, trying to go and bring up the uh, link there, which saw uh, Sebastian Buemi, Brendan Hartley, and Rio Hirakawa win by over two minutes over their teammates, Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez. A dominant performance by the Toyota team. Uh, their um, third place was the Glickenhaus, number 709 of Ryan Briscoe, Richard Westbrook, and Melu. Um, they finished five laps behind in that. Um, in regards to the um, LMP2, 
situation. Joe sport with Roberto Gonzalez, Antonio Felix DaCosta, and Will Stevens get the win, finishing fifth overall. Um, Prema Orlean team, which is Robert Kubica, Louis Delatras, and Colombo finishes second. And then another Jota sport car, the second Jota sport car of Rasmussen, Ed Jones, and Jonathan Aberdeen round out the podium. Team Penske was up there, led at times, had a chance. They were a lap behind, finished fifth in class, and they finished ninth overall. Uh, so great uh, finish to their season because now uh, Cameron Collar, Cameron and Nasser especially, but even Emmanuel Collard, the longtime Porsche factory driver, might be involved in the program to test the uh, new Porsche you know, prototype, the uh, LM, whatever, all the damn letters, they have all the freaking um, DPI, whatever, um, LMDH car that they'll have for Porsche that'll be coming out for the Rolex 24 next uh, January. They're going to be getting into intensive testing here uh, starting, you know, this week uh, to lead into that. Um, The Corvette team had... Fast cars, they qualified on pole, and a gentleman LMP2 driver uh, wrecked the leading um, number 64 of Tommy Milner, Nick Tandy, and Alex Sims on the Molson, uh, and essentially um, ended their day late in the morning. They were in the morning, and they were leading, uh, ended their deal. Um, they took out their other car. They parked the other car at that point because they were already at the back of the class and um, saw the Corvettes not win in their last race at uh, Le Mans with the C8R. Uh, the Porsche team number 91 of Jimmy Bruni, Richard Leitz, and Fred McWickey get the win over the AF Corsa team. Uh, filled out the podium. Paraguidi, Colado, Serra, number 51 Ferrari, and then number 52 Ferrari of Miguel Molina, Antonio Fuco, and David Rigon uh, round out your podium. A lot of those guys are going to be people that are connected to the Ferrari prototype program that's coming uh, to Le Mans um, in the um, hypercar category, I think. Or I don't know if they're considered hypercar, if they're LMDH, I'm not sure anymore. Uh, ben Keating finally gets his uh, win at Le Mans. Uh, lost one a few years ago due to technical infraction, driving a Ford GT in the AM category. In this case, drove a v- Aston Martin with Chavez and Marco Sorensen to win over the WeatherTech Racing Porsche team of Cooper McNeil, Ann Lauer, and Mer- Thomas Merrill, and then the Aston Martin of Paul Dallana, Pedard, and Nikki team uh, gets that uh, victory, and that's the podium as well. So, um, yeah, Le Mans next year is going to be a lot more interesting in regards to the prototype category with the convergence, the technical convergence that'll be coming on. A lot more factories will be involved, so that'll be something to see. Not as many GT cars. It'll be a lot more like uh, or like late 80s, maybe early 90s, prior to the GT boom and where the prototype, all the prototype categories and the rules kind of started getting screwy there. Uh, 
Next thing we'll do is uh, Formula 2 at Baku. Uh, they had, um, I'll just go and clear that right there and do that, which saw um, Frederick Vesti win the first race over Jayan Daruvula, Liam Lawson, Marcus Armstrong, and points leader Felipe Drogovic finished fifth. Logan Sargent finished sixth. And race two saw Dennis Hauger win. Uh, defending Formula 3 world champion gets his first, uh, uh, whatever, full race. Uh, the, um, what do they call the sprint race and the feature race win. Logan Sargent finishes second. Drogovic finishes third. Daruvula fourth. Richard Vishore finishes fifth. Uh, credit to Enzo Fittipaldi. He had a sixth place finish there. In the standings, they'll be racing next at Silverstone. Drogovic is uh, 50, is it 49 points ahead? Yeah, 49 points ahead of Teo Pocher. And then uh, Daruvula is 10 points behind Pocher. Uh, Logan Sargent, after his solid weekend this weekend, most points he scored so far in a weekend, um, stands fourth. Um, Hauger is just behind him. There's a basically from fourth all the way to. Um, what is it? Tenth is fifteen points. So Logan Sargent's up there, but there's a lot of guys, and it's what is it? Eighteen points all the way to twelfth. So there are a lot of guys in that spot that have been scoring points and scoring good points at times. So Logan Sargent's gonna have to continue to do what he needs to do to stay up there. Uh, Daruvula running uh, third, but kind of far behind, of course, Drogovic and Pocher. You're looking at guys that are likely going to be back in Formula 2 next year because there really aren't that many opportunities to get into Formula 1 uh, for next year based on all the contracts and things that are going on. Amory Cordiel uh, got uh, got a race ban for um, Silverstone for his um, amazing driving. Um, Balubasi and, uh, and Nassani... So a bunch of daddy's money people getting into nonsense, uh, telling you where things are at in Formula 2. Uh, World Superbike and Misano saw the return of Garrett Gerloff, but um, unfortunately, after a uh, solid uh, first race for him, uh, which um, he finished eighth, he was battling Javi VAA and Iker Lacawona, the two Honda riders. Um, and Andrea Locatelli on the second uh, factory Yamaha. Um, it was a wreck in the second race um, coming off of the injuries he suffered in the previous weekend. So it was a pretty uh, brutal uh, weekend for um, Garrett Gerloff. I mean, get in the Super Bowl, he finished ninth in that, but then he crashed out of the second race. Um, Alvaro Batista got the double. Um, in the Super Pole race, Toprak Raskat Lioku won that, but he hasn't won an actual uh, race yet this year. And it's um, he's 79 points out of the championship lead in third. Um, essentially, right now, Alvaro Bautista's scored uh, over 50 points at every race so far this year. And um, he is... 36 points ahead of Johnny Ray. Um, Alvaro Bautista, of course, looking for his first 
a world superbike championship, a guy who's won in um, what is now the uh, Moto2 and Moto3 categories in his time. It was 125 and 250 world champion in his time uh, when he was riding Grand Prix motorcycles. Uh, In regards to compelling points battles in the uh, uh, world superbikes, it's really Iker Lacuona and Michael Ruben Rinaldi are only seven points apart, fifth and sixth. Then you have Lowe's, Bassani, Vieje, who just got injured um, yesterday. It was only 12 points between those guys. Gerloff is 12th, um, going to uh, Brands Hatch here in a few weeks' time. So see what he could do there. Um, going to Soxenring uh, this coming weekend for the world or moto gp fabio quattararo's got a 22 point lead on alicia spargaro anea bestaini is 53 points back uh in overall in third the battle between himself zarco bagnaya 13 points separating those three brad binder's sixth rins and mir the suzuki duo are tied for seventh um Rins has the edge with his second place finish um over Mir, the former world champion. Jack Miller fourth, I mean ninth, and then Mark Marquez is tenth. Uh, Mark Marquez has won numerous times at Sox and Ring, so we'll see what he can do if he can go and use those vibes there um and possibly take that race down. In uh, Moto two, Danning's going in. Celestino Vietti is 16 points ahead of Ayagura. Um, Aaron Kinnett is third, um, 24 points back of Vietti. Augusto Fernandez is in fourth. Tony Arbolino fifth. Joe Roberts, of course, crashed at Catalonia while leading, um, coming off of a second-place finish at Mugello and a win at Portugal a few weeks before that. Uh, so... You know, Joe Roberts, outside chance, if he can kind of put some things together to possibly get to, I would say, third or second in the points if if he really gets on a a good run. Uh, Cameron Bobier is 13th in points, and uh, Sean Dillon Kelly has scored three points so far this year. He's 29th, so... There are guys who have run races and scored points yet. So um, he has that. He's a rookie learning a bunch of new tracks. So it's very tough for him going into that. Uh, Supercars coming into uh, this weekend uh, at Darwin. They've been off for a while. So um, it's time to kind of remind everybody what's going on. Uh, they'll be running at Hidden Valley this weekend, and they'll take a few weeks off before uh, Townsville. Their gaps between races are kind of uh, pretty set. Uh, three weeks between races these days, um, or two weeks, two or three weeks every every race. Shane Van Gisbergen is the points leader over Anton Di Pasquale and Will Davison, who's in third. Um, Cameron Waters is fourth. Van Gisbergen's teammates, teammate Brock Feeney is in fifth. Brock Feeney has a nice little battle between himself, Chaz Mostert, and David Reynolds between fifth and seventh. So um, Brody Kostecki, James Courtney, Tim Slade round out the top ten. 
um, amount of win Shane Van Gisbergen has so far this year. It's um, hard to see how he's going to get stopped, but Cameron Waters did have uh, a strong performance at Winton the previous round, uh, finishing, winning the third race, finishing second in the second race, and then in race one, uh, yeah, of course the thing crashes. Um, trying to, yeah, I like how it blocks in race one. So there it is. So V8 Supercars uh, at uh, Darwin this weekend. Uh, we'll give you an update in regards to what happens from there uh, here in the next episode of the GSP. Um, trying to see. Yeah, so we'll get into the trucks here um, at Knoxville. Second time they'll be at the track. Last year's race was was a real clusterfuck. Um, to be fair, really, that's about all you can say about that race last year in the truck series. Josh, um, I'm going to go and bring up the results because I, I don't really... It was... Uh, they've moved it back a month. Austin Hill led 11 laps. Chandler Smith led the most laps along. And second was was Todd Gilland in regards to laps led. They led uh, 132 laps amongst the two of them. Carson Osovar actually was up there, too. There was a lot of wrecked trucks, uh, 10, 11 trucks that were crashed by the end of the end of the evening. There was uh, nearly 44, nearly 45% of the race was run under yellow last year. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what to really take away for or pick in regards to uh, this weekend's race at uh, Knoxville, but I guess I'll let you go first, and I'll add my two cents after that, Josh. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough race to pick because we've only seen one race here last year, and um, a lot of it was caution after caution, and you know, 150 lap race, and they fit, they ran 179, so um, you know, almost 30 laps of uh extra caution or extra laps to finish the race is which is pretty ridiculous and i think you know it's um says a lot about the series and how they ran it and you know a lot of people were unhappy I remember that about how it ended or not how it ended but you know how it went and it seemed just like a disaster and i mean not gonna say it's gonna happen again but you know uh there's not a whole lot of hope i guess going into it and maybe they'll have learned uh from their mistakes last year and be able to, you know, at least run a, a competent race, um, uh, uh, for this track. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but I mean, it's tough to pick. I mean, I'm probably just going to go with one of, you know, one of the front runners here in this series and, um, you know, we'll just roll with, uh, the guy that's been running good all year, uh, Zane Smith, uh, front row motorsports car. So he's, you know, he's been running good all year. Don't question that it'll be any different. And even, even with it being on a, um, you know, dirt track, you know, think he can run well at this place. So, uh, that's how I'll pick to win this, uh, this truck race on, uh, is it Saturday or Sunday that they're running? Saturday evening. Saturday evening. Okay. Yeah. So they'll be running against the SRX, uh, coming up, uh, this weekend, which, um, the SRX will actually be on CBS. Um, and this will be on FS1. I mean, a solid pick there. Um, in regards to the winner, um, I would go and say, I mean, I'm trying to look at this uh, grid. There ain't 
they're in some crazy amount of people there. I mean, Zane Smith is a solid one. If Hosevar wasn't hurt, I'd have probably picked him. Um, I can't pick that guy no matter what I do. I'm going to go and I'm going to pick, I'm going to go out and I'm going to pick uh, Ben Rhodes because uh, I think he won at Bristol earlier this year. And um, it's kind of sets, it's it fits his style, the dirt racing a lot more um, these days. Defending series champion would be an interesting thing to get both dirt races this year. Um, Thor Sport, I think, is going to be a factor uh, amongst the whole entire team. Uh, Matt Crafton's one on dirt at Eldora. Ekis has the experience in Arca. So there's there's all that. There, I think Thor Sport is going to be up there for sure. Um, the the Kyle Busch Motorsports trucks with John Hunter, Chandler Smith, and then Buddy Kofoid in the 51 will also be people to watch. Of course, you have to qualify through heats. You have to go and run. Um, you have to run qualifying, and then you have to get through on heats to get to the main event. So we'll see how that all works out. Couple people showing up from outside of the co- the truck series. Brett Moffitt's driving for Austin Wayne's Health, who's on paternity leave. Uh, last week, they had uh, him and his uh, girl had a baby. So then um, he missed Sonoma. Now he's missing this weekend, but they're actually in the field. And Joey Gase is in the number 30 for On Point Motorsports. They had issues with um, getting Colin Garrett in the truck due to whatever paperwork, and they had to go and um, get a sub for this person who was subbing for the regular driver. Uh, you got a couple of, you have at least four open trucks in regards to drivers. Um, two trucks will miss the show. Uh, you're saying 30, well, actually 39, but it says 39 on the entry list, but 38. Yeah. So the math isn't even right. So there'll be a couple of trucks that don't make the show, um, this weekend. It'll be a tough race. Um, I'm thinking it'll be Thor sport, uh, to get the win, uh, wild card. I would say would be a nice vehicle that isn't Carson Hosevar to go and make something happen. It's an opportunity race. Go out there and make the most out of it. Get yourself in the playoff because there aren't that many weeks left in the regular season for them. I'm trying to go. Yeah, I went in through all that. Um, yeah, let's get into uh, Formula One then, Josh. Um, it, it's the uh, Canadian Grand Prix, first time since 2019 that we have a Canadian Grand Prix uh Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher, all-time leaders with seven wins. Verstappen hasn't had a whole lot to show for his career at Montreal in the few years he's been in F1, but it's a different time now. Um, Ferrari wants to respond at Circuit Gilles Villeneuve in the honor of the man. Um, Can Charles Leclerc do that? Can he go and sneak around um, Max Verstappen, go and get a win, or is something else going to happen to Ferrari that isn't hasn't happened here in the last few weeks josh i mean it's gonna be interesting because we haven't been to this racetrack and or this circuit in a long time and it's um you know almost been three years since we've been here so for formula one so um it's almost like for some drivers almost like going to a whole new track so you know that's um certainly part of it there uh what we'll see so some unknowns and um i think think for um you know 
Max Verstappen's. They just got to keep doing what they've been doing, win, uh, win these races. So I would expect uh, Verstappen come out and dominate uh, as usual. Uh, I think Sergio Perez will be right up there with him on the podium uh, for sure. And I think you know, I think Red Bull. Uh, they have a pretty strong chance of winning this race. Um, I think for uh, you know Ferrari, um, it's, it would be important to um, you know not have any problems, especially for Charles Leclerc. But, um, so this would be a good race to to at least finish and aim for uh, a podium finish uh, to uh, Verstappen if they can't win. Um, can't really you know predict. You know, we haven't really had any practice yet or anything, so it's you know hard to tell how they're going to match up uh, lap times wise and the fact that they haven't been to the circuit in three years. So we don't, we can't even really base it off of how they ran last year at this place. Um, Cause you know, 2019 was the last time they raced here. Lewis Hamilton won and well, Ferrari ran second. Charles Leclerc was on the podium uh, in third place with uh, Sebastian Vettel in second. Uh, so that was a long time ago though. That was back when it was, Mercedes uh, dominating Formula One and Ferrari is a close second. Um, although Vettel did uh, lead 67 laps and then uh, Lewis Hamilton was able to lead uh, the last uh, last three laps of that race. So, uh, yeah, it was a um, very, very controversial, um, uh, you know, finish actually f- for that. But, uh, you know, I think um, Ferrari, they, they got to be able to turn around eventually. So we'll have to see. You know what what they're able to do this weekend if they can come out and at least um be somewhat competitive relative to uh red bull's lap times uh for mercedes you know they've kind of been knocking on the door recently uh especially with uh lewis and um uh george russell can uh they make a impression on this race just like they did last weekend at baku um, george russell made it onto the podium and lewis finished fourth uh, can they continue this recent momentum that they've had um, and possibly get a, another pick up another podium or, you know, finish uh, top five, uh, I guess, in Formula One? Uh, that would be something for uh, Mercedes. Then, you know, I think um, some of these uh, midfield teams like McLaren, like uh, uh, AlphaTauri, um, you know, can the AlphaTauri team, can they kind of match their performance or, you know, can they, you know, be able to be the best of the midfield teams here um, in uh, you know at Montreal. Uh, can they do that relative to what Red Bull has been able to do? Um, that's going to be something to look out for. Um, somebody like uh, Sebastian Vettel. You know, this is a good track for him. Fernando Alonso. Um, you know, good track for him as well. So, can we see uh, these guys, uh, some of these veterans, um, you know, run well at a track that they haven't been to, but have a lot of experience? Um, that's going to be a storyline to look out for. And then, you know, I think McLaren, you know, continue to talk about them. Ricardo and Norris finished eighth and ninth last week. Um, can they, you know, continue their battle in the midfield and uh, kind of gain back some of the points that they both, both of them lost, especially uh, Leclerc or um, uh, not Leclerc, but uh, Ricardo can, um, you know, improve upon what, you know, and at least uh, make a better impression than what they have uh, so far to start, uh, you know, this, uh, formula one season. So, um, a lot of things that can happen at this, uh, track or the circuit, especially since we haven't been there in a long time. But, you know, I think, um, at the end of the day, it's, uh, Red Bull's race to win, I think, especially for Max Verstappen. I don't think it'll be 
straightforward immediately. I, I agree with you that Verstappen's going to win. Um, it seems like Sergio Perez has had a lot, has had a little better pace uh, one lap, so that could play a role. Um, seems like team orders have become a thing here recently for them to let Max win, but he's been faster in both of those uh, situations. Ferrari needs to just finish a race. If they finish the race, they're likely going to finish on the podium or be in the top five. So there is that. Uh, they need to do it. I mean, it's not just because it's, you know, Circuit Gilville new. They just need to finish. Um, and if they don't, if they don't stem the tide here, being two full races behind and we haven't even gotten to the month of July would be pretty bad um, considering how good the car was initially. Uh, it would be a pretty bad look for Ferrari. Um, Lewis, being a seven-time winner at the track, you know, he always loves coming to Montreal, won his first career race there. Um, you know, he probably wants to do well, but I think it's more about consolidation for him. They're trying to experiment. They've used his car as an R&D car for a lot of the year. If a result's going to come, it's going to be more from George Russell. Um, it's been proven so far this year um, that he's a little more um, in tune or is able to deal with how bad the car is. Uh, I think for the fans here in North America wanting Lewis to go and come through at one of his best racetracks, it it may happen, but I have a high, I highly doubt it will. Um, it's more about consolidation and staying somewhat healthy, getting towards the British Grand Prix where I think Mercedes is going to have a lot more upgrades and try to put themselves in a position where they may be able to compete, um, even though it really isn't the case. Um, people to watch, I would say Pierre Gasly, after the great weekend he had last weekend at Azerbaijan, can he continue that momentum? McLaren had a double points finish, but they weren't really the fastest out there. Ken Valtteri, Botas recover. After having leaving a track where he's done relatively well out in Azerbaijan, um, didn't have a great weekend, can Alfa Romeo make something happen uh, this weekend at uh, Montreal, along with, of course, the Alpine team. Alonso's a former winner there. Um, Ocon has finished in the top 10 in both starts he's had there previously. So when it comes to the constructors' battle amongst those teams, uh, what they can do there. Uh, in the midfield, but I think in the at the end of the day, it really all comes down to Max Verstappen. What is he going to do? Um, if he falls out of the race, you might actually have an interesting one. If uh, he doesn't fall out of the race, he's probably going to win. And then I have to go and host uh, the Grid Talk post race show, so that'll be something. Um, I have to remember to make sure I'm around uh, instead of at the V. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. So, um, yeah, I'm trying to go, go and close that off. We went and I took care of that. So um, let's uh, get in your sim segment, Josh. Uh, what's going on in the world? I, I saw some news about Forza. They're going to be bringing out a new actual Forza game. I just saw it on the interweb here somewhere uh, for the first time in a few years. I know in iRacing, they've added some new tracks and some new cars. Um, update us on what's going on. F122 is about to come out. Uh, team at Marduk ran through a season on his uh, build uh, version. Um, so 
lot of things going on in the sim racing game. Yeah, definitely a lot of things that are going on. Um, yeah, iRacing, um, the new Season 3 coming out this week. So we've got to go and uh, apply all the updates uh, to the game that they've, um, you know, with all the new content and updates coming out. So um, definitely going to hop on there and uh, take, you know, download that. Uh, well, not not new content, but, you know, obviously the updates. Otherwise, I can't play the game because, you know, those stuff are mandatory. Um, but, yeah, like we talked about last week, new content, the Mercedes, uh, two new uh, Mercedes AMG race cars, the GT3 2020 and then the uh, GT4 uh, Radical SR10, uh, Fuji International Spe- uh, yeah, Speedway, Port Royal Speedway, uh, Sandown International Motor Raceway, so new tracks in Japan, Australia, and, and in the United States. Um, and then the the cup, I guess, yeah, for cup tracks, for NASCAR cup tracks, they've uh, got restart zones uh, as an option um, to, I guess, try to give more authentic uh racing uh during the you know coming to the green flags so uh that's going to be an interesting deal um especially with um how starts and restarts go sometimes in the game um i mean me personally um i just have a like as soon as the pace car pulls off and if i'm in the lead just i you know just hit the gas and go and take off um uh, regardless of where the actual restart line is because um um, you know, you want to be able to build a gap and also so that nobody else gets uh, jammed up and we have a restart crash or something. And then, um, you know, something like that happens, then you um, cause a caution again, they have to restart again. So that's um, going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and I guess uh, part of the update there on iRacing, they, I guess there's a exploit that they had in qualifying uh, that, that I guess there's, I don't know what the exploit was, but I guess it was something, something you could do, I guess, warming up the tires or something, uh, and, uh, doing that and qualifying and causing exploit to, I guess, give you a better lap time or, or whatever. So I think, um, they, yeah, they fixed that, uh, and then they have a new damage model, uh, I think on the cup car and, uh, some of the other, uh, cars on the service, uh, don't have full list of that, but, uh, new damage model there um, and then yeah you talked about Formula 1 2022 definitely have to go out and download that uh, that's going to be an interesting game played F1 2021 last year I uh, like the uh, the story mode that it had uh, that they had last year in that game is pretty interesting and you know a lot of kind of you know introduce you to a lot of the political elements of uh, the sport especially you know the dynamics between the you know young driver you know, racing against a, a veteran teammate and, you know, pushing the, the driver, uh, your, your teammate, uh, you know, in the rivalry and having, you know, to struggle and, you know, having, you know, dis- disagreements and disputes with your teammate. So showing kind of that aspect of the sport, you know, helping you learn more about it. Um, so we'll see what, you know, kind of thing that they bring in for F122, uh, 2022 and, you know, being able to play on the new car, this year, the new circuits like Miami, see how that, you know, plays on the, you know, if it looks like it obviously looks very realistic. So no complaints there, but you know, it does it race well. And can you, um, you know, race realistically, I guess, uh, you know, compared to what we see on TV, that'll be interesting. And then, yeah, Forza, I think you mentioned Forza, I guess they're having a, a, a new Forza release, of course, um, on PlayStation. So not really a Forza guy. Cause that's on us. 
Xbox. So definitely, uh, I mean, if you're an Xbox person, be on the lookout for uh, Forza. And um, I'm sure it's a great game. I just don't have an Xbox and not an Xbox guy, so don't play on there. So um, yeah, not really a whole lot, really. Um, a sim segment. I mean, of course, more of news content, I guess. Um, just uh, you know, all the latest releases. And haven't been haven't been on the iRacing in uh, probably a week or so, but you know just go through different phases i guess where um you have other things going on but yeah you know, i try to hop back on this week and and you know, race the indie cars the 87 cars the mazda miata and all the other cars that i want to race on there so yeah definitely get on there and of course try to try to stream it of course um if i can and uh let you know when i do so yeah that's pretty much it for the sim segment all right man so um well I mean, that's good. There's a lot of content, a lot of things going on. Um, before we go, I know that um, there are, I mean, who knows how many people really listen in regards to me wanting to go talk about golf. The Live Golf uh, first event happened in uh, London. Uh, saw Charles Schwartzel win, win $4.75 million, So bigger, the biggest purse he's won in, I don't know, I think he's won more money. He won more money last week in three rounds than he had in, last five or six years on tour or some crap like that um phil mickelson didn't do anything and fumbled around his press conference today at uh at uh what do you call country club and um for the u.s open this week um you know so there's uh there there's a lot of controversy of course comes from of course the saudi bullshit that comes with uh that the uh the connections with that tour but there's a lot of money rory mcelroy went nuts yesterday and defended his canadian open victory won by a shot over or a couple by a shot or two by over tony finau and justin thomas uh sent a nice little shiv to greg norman uh brookline's going to be interesting this week for the u.s open to be very tough i'm not sure what kind of score we're going to see if it'll be a low score um but there's a lot of good players there that are actual PGA Tour players, not the people who went to live that'll actually show up there and probably not do anything. But maybe they will. Who knows? Dustin Johnson's a former winner of the U.S. Open. Phil's never won. He ain't going to win this week. Um, he didn't look like he was very comfortable at all during the weekend. Um, if you're into the way Saudis treat people, then uh, you're probably not going to be a fan of this. Um, you know, People who are going and taking money grabs and go do what they do. And it's part of the reason why we are where we are like Saudi oil money and all this crap. And then we have gas prices over $5, the convenient to say the least. Um, the Stanley cup finals will be starting on Wednesday, Colorado against Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay going for a three peat joining an illustrious group. If they were to pull that off across all major sports, if that were to happen, but Colorado trying to win their first championship, the Avalanche, since 2001. Um, if that happens, I'm probably going to lose my crap uh, because, you know, the Avalanche have been in buried for many years and now they finally have a really good team. Finally got over the hump of the second round, dominated uh, Edmonton, a very tough team. And now you're going against one of the best teams in recent memory in the Tampa Bay Lightning. If they're able to come through and do this, it would be huge for all the great players they have. It's going to be a great series. I uh, hope it goes um, 
there's actually a little bit of time unless the avalanche just go crazy and they go and take it off the sheet. But um, it has a feeling of a long series. So we'll see about that. We'll talk about it next week on episode um, 120 of the Gripture podcast because it'll get through the first couple of games of the series by that point. Uh, with that, let's uh, close the deal here, Josh. Um, where can we find you on social media and where can we find uh the gsp on certain channels yeah of course always um you know start out with the gsp you know we can find it on youtube subscribe uh look up on youtube grips your podcast uh subscribe there like comment and uh subscribe of course and you know put on notifications when um we release new videos of course try to get out midweek to um have it you know available to everybody you can watch and listen and you know see all the stuff we got on there and you know just go on there and see our content it's just another form that you can see us on there if you don't want to use uh audio you can look in uh or watch if you want or um just have it on the background playing while you're doing other things so uh go on there and subscribe to us Gripshirt podcast on youtube course find me on twitter at jp huffine you can find all the things i'm interested in and all the things i want to you know talk about besides racing stuff or see my racing takes see the jacksonville jaguars takes uh see the uh, information i have on other things um that i'm interested in like investing and stuff like that look on there for um what i'm you know interested in um i usually try to um you know post whatever i'm interested in on there so just follow me and um you know, see what all the things I have to say about stuff. And of course, uh, go on Twitch and see my streams. Um, go on there at uh, Twitch TV slash UCL2. Watch uh, all my iRacing streams, the Indy 500 win, of course, the Indy 500. And um, anytime I go in live, uh, definitely make sure to. Um, Definitely make sure to uh, let y'all know, probably on Twitter or wherever elsewhere, uh, and uh, put out the stream link so people can watch. So, yeah, that's where you can find me uh, on social media and where you can find the podcast on YouTube. Definitely follow Josh on his Twitch stream because he is an Indy 500 winner. I did mention that on the Grip, on the Grid Talk podcast to talk about uh, um, your uh, prowess you. at, uh, at iRacing. So. Um, I think we have to go and make this work where you're an Indy 500 winner. You're at the same level as Marcus Erickson. So we're going to have to kind of push that. Jimmy Broadbent. Um, and Jimmy Broadbent too. Yeah. Um, we need to get you in a Praga. That would be something, or we need to get in like an MX five or something. I might need to, I need to go and see if I can get Shay Holbrook on the show and then convince her to put you in a, in an MX five since she has like 18 of them, her and her husband have a team. So that might be a way that'll be your side hustle. One of your side hustles. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll just be a, a gentleman racer at, at the young, at your youthful age driving an MX five. So that would be an interesting way to go and promote the GSP for sure. Um, for me, you can find me at Philip G Matthew on Twitter. You can find at Gripstrip pod on Twitter for the show. Um, you know, of course, uh, Josh mentioned, uh, Apple, I mean, our YouTube is, uh, where you can find our show and see us, see our mugs and, uh, see us that way. 
Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Verbal. Uh, amongst other things, you can find us at philipgmatthew.com uh, as well once we post the show. I've been a little bad with uh, my um, posting the shows, but uh, Josh has done his part in regards to getting the video feed. Um, both of the shows are out. The last two shows are out. We'll try to get this one out relatively quickly. And um, to those, I mean, to you and to your uh, happy Father's Day to your father um, here um, this coming weekend. And um, to all the fathers out there that are listening, um, for me, of course, um, God rest his soul. He's up there looking over me. So um, for that, um, you know, it'll be interesting weekend. Not a whole lot of, of the racing that we really focus on, per se, uh, going on. But SRX, I, I, I'd be remiss if um, before we go, uh, if I don't go and mention the SRX series since uh, uh, schedule, yes, SRX schedule 2022. Um, and who will be at the, at the race of drivers this, uh, this coming weekend? I mean, the regular drivers, it looks like, I mean, they have everybody up there, but I'm trying to see. Uh, you'll have, of course, defending champion Tony Stewart, um, Ernie Francis Jr., the um, now Indy Lights driver, Paul Tracy, uh, who's just sitting around getting fat and celebrating all the maggots that are getting arrested, Michael Waltrip, who, I mean, they should just not have him around anything, really. It would be better for the world if um, he wasn't around. Um, because he sucks. Um, he's really just bad. Uh, trying to go through the rest of the field. Yeah. Yeah. We got no neck. No neck is going to be a full season driver, uh, this year, along with Ryan Hunter Ray. Uh, you have, they're running at five flags to start the season. So the driver will be the, um, all-star driver, I think is, Cole Williams at uh, at Five Flags before we see Bubba Pollard at South Boston. Or I might have him swapped around. Stafford will have Matt Hirschman, who won uh, the uh, modified race there. Nashville Fairgrounds will see the Elliots race each other again. Right? Or no, actually, the the race at South Boston is going to have Peyton Sellers uh, there. But they should honestly go and have the list of the drivers for each race. That'll make it easier. Um, instead, that's just my problem, I guess. Um, Elio Castro Dash Neves, of course, who's dovetailing his Indy cars with some races there. Bill Elliott, Bobby Labani will be running the full season. Tony Canon's going to run most of the races. Marco Andretti and Greg Biffle will be in every race, along with uh, Ryan Hunter Ray and uh, No Neck. Matt Kenseth will run a few races. We'll see Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney make appearances uh, this year, um, along with Dave Blaney, um, of course, racing at Sharon Speedway to uh, end the season. want to go and bring up SRX driver lineup. Yeah, SRX racing driver lineup. They don't have it there. Um, that's for inaugural. Yeah, so... As it stands, I want to go and bring it up. I want to do my service here properly. Ken Schrader 
would be would be nice if they would list it, but okay. So full season competitors will be Tony Stewart, uh, Paul Tracy, Michael Walter, Brian Newman, Bobby Labani, Greg Biffle, Marco Andretti, and Ryan Hunter Ray. So it sounds like a bad 2003 uh, Bush Series race at this point, which was kind of the joke of last year too. Um, for Five Flags Speedway this coming weekend, the all-star car will be Bubba Pollard. Uh, aforementioned regulars uh, will be there. Tony Kanan will race this weekend. Of course, Ernie Francis Jr., as I mentioned. Bill Elliott will be in this weekend uh, for Five Flags. Then next week, we'll, we'll get into next week. I have to go and save this. I'm going to go and save this for... Uh, um, for next weekend. So we'll get into um, the SRX and what happened this past weekend at uh, Five Flags Speedway, where the, uh, where the, what do you call a snowball derby takes place. And we'll um, talk about what happened as we go into the following week. It's the first of six races in a row to through the summer on CBS. So if you want to watch that instead of the trucks, get to see that. We'll get to see Kenny Schrader. We'll get to see Dave Blaney amongst others. Um, come on uh, here at the end of the SRX season if uh, to see if Tony Stewart can go and defend his SRX championship. So we thank you for listening to Cripster Podcast. For Josh, as always, for having uh, my back and doing a great job, giving all kinds of great content. I'm Phil. Uh, Listen to me later this week on Grid Talk, uh, doing Formula One uh, Canadian Grand Prix recap. And then uh, we'll be back for episode 120 of the Grip Trip podcast next week. So we thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Please give us a like and subscribe wherever you you go and listen to us and um, let other people know about where the show is or let you know, where you get the show so we can get more people to go and listen more uh, people to get interested in motorsports and sports the way we are. So we thank you for listening, being into it. Uh, take care. God bless. And uh, goodbye.